Welcome to the Focused People Podcast, where we explore the realities of leading teams and being human. On the line today, Tom McKay, Kyle Gower-Winter, and myself, Hilton Goodmans. And we are coming to you from the road today. That means that Tom and I are traveling, but you get the usual awesome Kyle coming from his home studio. And so thanks everybody for making it today. Kyle and Tom, say hello, please. Good evening, everybody. Hello, everyone in the internet world. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very serious indeed. Gents, thank you so much for being here with the topic of emotional intelligence in business. And uh, so I was going to ask Tom to frame it, but uh, Tom's so good at framing it that I thought I wouldn't, just because that's not fair. So Kyle, why don't you tell us what the topic means to you, and then we can just have a discussion around emotional intelligence in business. Yeah, sure. Uh, good to put me on the spot. I'd also come to to enjoy Tom's framing, but I, I can give it a go. It'll happen. I will give it a go. Yeah, he, he will reframe. <laughs> uh, so emotional intelligence, it is, to me, the counterbalance to intelligence, even more so, I think they work hand in hand and you have to apply intelligence when you're applying emotional intelligence. And what I mean by that is our instincts are often what uh, we have to control with the emotional intelligence. It's, it's really getting a handle on your emotions and not letting them take over you taking control of you. Mm. And a lot of that for me has been an in, uh, a logical, intelligent exercise and just stepping out of the moment yeah. and say, Carl, how are you reacting to this? Is this purely emotional or are you in control? And, and that's been an uh, intellectual exercise for me to do. Right. But in studying leadership and in studying business, those who have been extremely successful uh, repetitively have been those who have had a, a good grasp on how they handle the situation, uh, how they handle their emotions, and how they handle the emotions of others. And like anything, if we can be cognizant of it and we can keep practicing, we can get better. It's a skill that we can definitely build. Right. It's not something you either have or you don't have. It's just something that we need to practice and get better at. Yeah, I like it, Kyle. Thank you. Uh, so definitely I'm hearing there's an interplay between the logic and the, the thinking side, but there's also the emotion. So it's not purely, oh, let's feel everything and be feely in the workplace. It's about the interplay between us having emotions and, and being triggered by things and how we deal with it from a logical and, and a rational point of view as well. Tom, what did you add to that? Carl, thank you very much for for that. I I appreciate how you've you framed it with a logic and a counterbalance and in a way that links across to our left and our right brains, which our left brain is usually associated with logic and reason, and our right brain is associated with emotion and subjective experience. And the two together make up the human being. So it would be very remiss of us not to uh, have a focus on both elements being the IQ, intelligent quotient, and the emotional quotient. 
And for many years, I think the world celebrated IQ in a big way. Intelligence was seen as the path towards glory. And as we've evolved over the last 20 or 30 years, we've really focused then on saying, ah, but hang on, there's a lot more demands in the modern world, you know, this third industrial revolution and then the fourth one. And with technology, there's a lot of demands and it requires a lot more than intelligence. It requires an awareness of managing one's interactions. It requires a world of communication. There's, the whole world is now connected in a way it never has been before. And so focusing on our emotions and our management of ourself and the way that we interact with others is a very key part to, I think maybe the word would be progress progress in the modern world managing successfully towards outcomes as an integrated person i love what you're saying tom and it feels like the word wholehearted comes to mind and i know that brene brown is speaking a lot about being wholehearted in work and all of that kind of stuff and having courage which comes from what is it kuros or whatever which is the heart and uh, i think there's there's a lot of overflow and overlap there where what we're wanting to do is be more integrated so we don't have to hide the emotional part of who we are or the fact that we come as whole people with experience and wanting experiences. I know that uh, particularly with, uh, with my family, when we talk about experiences, certainly the millennials and the Gen Y and add a Z and double A and pick another letter of the alphabet generation, uh, certainly experiences are far more valuable than other things in terms of how money is spent and so on. And uh, the employee experience, as well as the customer experience, is inherently quite an emotional one. And we talk about brand and the value of a brand in business, and yet we can't separate a brand from emotion. And uh, I think in the, in the business place, there's a scope to talk about the brand and the experience. So would any of you like to pick up on that theme about the experience and how that is linked to emotion in business? Of course, we need to unmute first. <laughs> yes, yeah. The experience, it's, it's such a vast topic. There's no such, you know, when you say it, I think everyone has a different imagery or a different thought that comes to mind when you talk about the experience. And, and the thing that came to my mind was my experience in the form of memories. The Very good. Most, the most memorable parts of a career are probably your highs but probably more ingrained are those lows hmm. and those times where you've you've done something wrong you've been reprimanded or or worse that type of thing and those experiences kind of sit with you uh, they have an unfair weight especially those yep. those negative experiences and how that is handled by your superior or by your team or by your peer, by whoever's in that relationship, in that interaction, how that is handled really determines how I view that memory or how I view that experience. If it's with someone with very, who, who's not empathetic at all, who doesn't carefully choose their words, who's just mean yeah. or comes across just mean, as most likely a result of them being out of touch 
with their EQ or not having a very high EQ. Those memories have devastating effects on me, those experiences. And then the reverse of that is someone who's handling very well. I'm, I'm getting reprimanded, but I'm coming away from the conversation thinking, that was an excellent conversation. I learned so much. Wow. And it, it reminds me of a piece of advice a good friend gave me who's older than me and has many more years of experience. And he said, the key to a great manager is someone who can tell you you're doing a terrible job and you, you thank them and you walk away happy. Mm. It, it's just the way that that message and that experience is delivered and handled has such an impact on the individual. That's what I think of when you talk about the experience and how it has impacted my professional life. Sure. Well, so Tom, I'm going to come to you in a moment, but Kyle, you triggered for me uh, a moment where uh, I remember I was hosting a workshop and it was uh, over an eight-month period. We were doing a leadership program and, and really helping a particular organization to transform and uh, they were responsible for preparing the venue. And I remember arriving on the seventh of those sessions. And once again, the venue was not ready for us. And to be honest with you, my emotional intelligence was not very good in the moment. I, I was really upset. I arrived there and I tried to use all of the right kind of words, the right eye messages, and to make sure that I used phrases like, help me understand. Uh, in, in how I prefixed things and opened the conversation so that it went in the right direction. And unfortunately, my tone wasn't right. And what's interesting is I, I think I went along the lines of, help me understand why the room isn't ready again today and, and what has happened. But it wasn't that good a tone. I think it was a help me understand why. <laughs> and what happened is I was on a project with other people Mm -hmm. And the person I spoke to took it the way my tone intended it. She took it in a sense where uh, she actually reached out to the project lead and said, Hilton was disrespectful. And the project leader then hauled me over the coals, rightfully so. And I needed to really, really uh, introspect and go, my words are one thing, but my tone and how I said it has just potentially damaged this entire project. And so I reached out to her straight away and said, you're absolutely right. I was wrong. My bad. I will be better and I will work this through with my coach, which I did. And uh, that really brought me uh, back into a place where I, I feel like my emotional intelligence improved. My relationships with the client improved as well to where we could z deal with it and, and kind of move on. But I wasn't then taken off other projects. I could then still work with those projects and uh, we've gone on to have a great relationship and even in our own business to be able to work together. And I think, wow, um, there was potential to, uh, potential to have seriously derailed the things just based on how I said it in that moment. And so I've had to learn a lot. And uh, I, I think I, I tend to open mouth and insert foot sometimes in terms of foot in mouth disease. And yet I've learned through the years to be better. So I love what you said earlier about growing. Tom, what's your experience on this stuff? Thank you, guys. Uh, both of you have really contributed nicely to, to the discussion so far. It's helped me to ask the question about what is intelligence? Hmm. And I think if we went back a step and we identified what would be intelligent life, 
intelligent life would be something that responds. <laughs> it's something that responds to what's around them. When we value the intellect and intellectual experience, we value the ability to take a whole bunch of variables and uh, sift for a solution that others either cannot see or to understand and uh, filter very quickly. Mm -hmm. When you look at the emotional side, we're now asking ourselves to ask the question, do we respond to our environment with an awareness or in a way that, that has value or meaning in the moment? Sure. And so both of your, your stories and the experiences you had speak much to that. Emotional intelligence can be about many things. It can be how you respond, how you communicate. Are you aware of what you're experiencing and how you're responding? Are you aware of what others are communicating and how they're responding? And so an emotionally aware manager or person in the business world has so many more resources available, or let's call them options to be able to respond in different ways because they give themselves more, let's call it more awareness of what it is they're feeling, yeah. how they've responded, how they categorize or pattern recognize. Is this useful? Is it not useful? And through that, they are surely in an advantage position to somebody who's not emotionally resourced. Sure. So, Tom, if I hear you right, you're saying there's a versatility that comes with being more aware. And uh, I know with some of the models of emotional intelligence like Dan Goleman and uh, Travis Bradbury is built on that stuff where they're talking about self-awareness to self-management and then social awareness to relationship management as being the kind of progression. And so the awareness that I'm hearing from you is stuff like, I've got more arrows in my quiver that I can call on as I need them. And uh, I don't have to react in this way. I've got options and I've got choices. Absolutely. I mean, if we look at life, we often refer to ourselves as when I was younger, I had less experience and I did this. And then that happened. And now I'm older and wiser. Now I wouldn't do that. I would do this. <laughs> yeah. And it isn't, obviously, part of it is learning, but it isn't simply learning. Some of it is that our emotional faculties have developed with us. As we learn, we've now, as we grow and learn, we now are able to pattern recognize and see things that we didn't see before. So we don't just have the benefit of learning. We have that incremental benefit and almost compounding benefit of learning upon learning, picking up more awareness of yeah. patterns and recognition. And so the resources of somebody who spends time growing emotional awareness far, far, far outweigh those who don't invest in it. It's not just a small difference. Initially, it's small. But like all differences that you make over time, they become great and many people who are able to have a long successful sustainable work life develop emotional intelligence in parallel with their 
progression and development in either their business or in their, their roles. Well, yeah, so so much of it comes down to learning, and I was thinking about that as well, Tom. That we'll reflect and we'll say, when I was younger, I you know I was foolish. Now that I'm older, I'm wiser. It's not true for everyone. There are a lot of older people who have gone through life like a bull in a china shop, not caring about who they hurt or what collateral damage there is. So you really do need to to sit back, reflect, and learn. Either learn from your experience or seek out knowledge. You know, have difficult conversations read uh, challenging books, like really extend yourself. You've got to do that. It's only through learning and mistakes comes the wisdom, not necessarily age. Yeah, there, there are a lot of efforts now and research to support this idea of teaching. You know, like you had mentioned, Tom, um, there's so much emphasis on intelligence, IQ. Very little has been on EQ. So like Imagine we started talking about these things and instead of having to identify the patterns and reinvent the wheel, everyone for themselves, we could actually talk and teach about these things and help children recognize those patterns in themselves and in others. And those lessons could start being learned much early on. And by the time they enter the, the workforce, they have a well-balanced mind of IQ and EQ. It, it would be quite quite an amazing world to live in if that were true. So I think a lot of it comes to learning. Yeah, just picking up on what you're saying, uh, being a, a, a an IT expert as you are amongst many other things, I guess you would have seen it as well where people come in with so much technical expertise uh, from let's say a graduate program and uh, the things that they've learned that are about strategy and about execution and about coding and about uh, engineering, but nowhere in that journey have they learned how to deal with conflict and to be adaptable and to be agile in their thinking uh, and to deal with biases and so on. This is not normally part of the curriculum. And if it is, it's like, okay, there are these biases, um, avoid them. Mm -hmm. Right, moving on swiftly. <laughs> and we don't necessarily develop the skill is what I'm hearing you say. And uh, you mentioned learning and seeking. And Tom, you said, uh, you didn't use this word, but uh, the compounding, the pattern recognition, uh, layer upon layer, I think you said, which reminded me of something called the overlay principle, where you're kind of building one on top of each other, overlaying something special. And it's that compounding effect, which takes us to a space like where our self-talk is overlaid into something positive or our emotions, we're learning to recognize the patterns and, and the, the warning signs, perhaps, long before something gets into a road rage incident, we've identified some of the key signs that we're about to go there. And, and we now can recognize them ahead of time and take corrective action, which is incredibly powerful compared to feeling like we're victims uh, and uh, Kyle, if I pick up on what you're saying, especially with young children, with uh, our own kids, what we want to do is to build perhaps emotional fitness as well, where it's a sense of like, uh, it's not just emotional intelligence, you either are or you, you aren't, 
but perhaps uh, I've heard people throwing the terms of emotional fitness around, and maybe that's a better frame even, where it's like you've got to constantly be working on your conditioning. You're constantly building up your muscles, so to speak, and being prepared to learn and unlearn so that you shape your emotional body to be fit in the right sort of way. Can I uh, add to that the fact that throughout the world, we go to school and most of us go to school from about six years old until we're around 18. And some of us then go on to tertiary education as well. And so, yes, there is focus on social skills and various things, but the majority of the focus is about what you need to learn. Subjects like English and uh, various languages and Math. mathematics and science and geography etc etc and very much a lot of it is about what you need to learn i've been listening to a guy called jim quick he is i guess you'd call him a memory specialist however really he's much more than that he he's naturally linking across to uh, the amazing way in which he showcases what we're capable of He's one of those guys you can you can uh, recite a hundred numbers and you can remember them all and get them in perfect order. Yeah. But actually, when you look at the way he lives his life, he goes on to want to show kids how they can remember, and and the power of the memory. Right. Not what you need to learn, but ways of learning. So part of emotional intelligence, the same way with memory or with the intellect. When you're at school, you're practicing your intellect all day long. How much time is school or anywhere else spending on the emotional side? And so I like emotional fitness because fitness, we know, requires action. If you want to get fit, you actually have to go to the gym or you actually have to run. And so on the emotional side, it's exactly the same. You actually have to have make a decision, right? a decision basically to embrace emotional awareness part of your daily life it's so hard to manufacture that that those situations where you get to practice it right and it's maybe sad that a lot of the motivational speakers a lot of the successful authors a lot of the successful entrepreneurs they have been through trauma at a young age they've all suffered through some terrible uh, traumatic experience and that has caused them to mature, in quotations, very quickly. It's really um, that experience of going through that emotional yeah. journey that has caused them to just feel and think a little bit different than, than the average person. And I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I don't want to have, say, my children have to experience trauma to learn emotional intelligence. So my, an idea I had was the best way our children learn from their parents is through emulation. Uh, it, it's subconscious. Like they're going to emulate. We, they're going to emulate what we model. So yeah. the best way I can help my children learn emotional intelligence is for me to improve my mo emotional intelligence and model the behavior and how to react. And maybe they will learn that way without having to go through all those painful experiences Sure. Well, Carl, you, you raised such a good point. Tom, do you wanted to speak? 
I was just going to say that I certainly wouldn't advocate that you want to learn emotional experience entirely through experiences. Uh, and I think we're on the same page with that. That would, number one, take a really long time. <laughs> and number two, you're basically at the whim then of life and what it presents. Sure. The reality is that there's a controllable part of life and a non-controllable part. The non-controllable part, you don't know what life will bring you. And so you don't know what you're going to have to face anyway. And then there's a controllable part, which is about your behavior. It's about what you feed. And I don't mean in terms of food. I mean, in terms of psychological yeah. practices. So for example, learning to sit quietly and bring awareness to your thoughts is part of developing emotional awareness. Because what you're doing is you're not just focusing on your thought, you're focusing on your body, you're focusing on your posture, you're focusing on what's around you. So emotional awareness, like all awareness, is requires the capacity to view life from different perspectives. That is the basis of compassion. Compassion is putting yourself in another's shoes for a moment and being yeah. able to translate what that might feel like and what's something useful to, and what you can do with that information. So I think focused people would be wise to advocate to all its clients that they can develop their emotional awareness through practice. They don't need to wait for life to get tough because it will. You, 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 you can be assured of that. It's going to get tough at some point and you have to face something at some point. But what we want to advocate is a curiosity, a willingness yeah. to practice it on a daily basis, embracing not just who they are, but who others are and being open to stay in the moment and be aware of who's around, what's around and develop a peripheral awareness, they call it, where you're not just looking with tunnel vision, but you're also looking from um, a broader perspective and from other people's perspectives, which is part of developing uh, awareness of the, of the emotions. Yeah, I think just combining those two points, I think uh, being non-judgmental about emotions goes with the presence that you're talking about, Tom, where uh, if you're mindful about something, you allow an emotion uh, and, and you sit there and you go, so what am I feeling? Uh, and then you're asking yourself, uh, what's the source of this perhaps or whatever, but you're not judging it. You're not saying I shouldn't be angry or I shouldn't experience fear. No, fear is not something to be judged. You're just saying what I'm feeling now is fear. Hmm. Is that what I need? What's appropriate? And what do I want to be feeling, et cetera? And it allows you to change state because you, you're actually in that moment going, what am I feeling? Uh, and not judging it, saying I shouldn't be, or I, there's shame in, in feeling this, or there's uh, guilt that I should have because I'm feeling this thing. But rather just saying what I'm feeling is this. I've experienced it with groups where uh, when you're trying to just deal with uh, conscious uh, level thinking and to really look at presencing, like what, what are we actually feeling? If you go around the room and say, so what are you feeling? Where are you at right now? Uh, which might be part of your sort of stand-up meeting in the morning. So how's everybody doing? Let's do a quick check-in. I think quite quickly we defend our position or we want to jump on somebody and say, uh, we want, let's give you help for what you're feeling. Let's take you out of this problem, my friend. Let's solve your pain. 
rather than saying, what are you feeling? And just feel that and move on saying, what are you feeling? And let's share those things. And we don't have to solve everything. We can just say, that's where I'm at right now. And we can start to work with that and say, hmm, so how do I want to be? And what do I want to bring? What can I bring to this discussion based on where I'm at and what I'm needing and, and where, what you're needing, what we, the client needs, et cetera? It's quite a different place to not judge, but actually say, you know what, this is just where I'm at. And it's such a wonderful realization that there's no right or wrong. Uh, I often think that emotions are like a dashboard where there are lights on the dashboard and it's just a sign that something's happening in your engine. It's, uh, sometimes it's a fuel gauge that says to you, hey, dude, you've got lots of fuel. <laughs> yeah, I know, I can feel it. Or there's, you're running low on fuel. Yeah, I can feel that too. And other times it's a red light on the dashboard saying, you know what, your battery is not charging properly. You want to have a look at that. Um, or what would the Americans say? Pop the hood. <laughs> uh, we would say, you know, lift the bonnet. And um, to our American colleagues, you might be thinking, why is someone wearing a bonnet? <laughs> Isn't that from the 19th century? Uh, but, you know, pop the, the hood, have a look underneath, see what's going on in the engine. That'll tell you what's happening with that battery. Go and look. Don't judge the red light. Don't say you shouldn't be feeling this. It just is. It is there. There's presence. It, this is what I'm feeling. Now go and have a look beneath the surface. What's happening in your engine? What's happening in your life that maybe you need to look at? And this is all part of the emotional intelligence is developing that and uh, working with coaches and working with mentors and being open to other people's input and saying, you know what? Hey, we could be better at this. Are you aware? Such a great question, isn't it? Like, mm -hmm. Kyle, are you aware that there is some spinach in your teeth right now? And you'd be going, how did that happen? I don't eat spinach, <laughs> for example. But are you aware? Such a great question. And people could then respond and say, no, I wasn't. Or, yeah, I am aware. Well, are you aware of how that comes across to me? And I think about giving feedback and I'll, I will keep quiet after this. I'm just so triggered right now. I've got to finish the statement. But giving feedback, I often think it's, you've got to frame it as what's the situation? What's your behavior? And then what's the impact of your behavior on someone else? And you can find that out by saying, are you aware of how that impacted me? When you said this, this is what I felt. It's such a great conversation starter if you're wanting good feedback as to how you're doing. You mentioned trigger. And if you can take that step and you can identify why, you, you take a look at, look at the engine, you identify why is that dashboard blinking or whatever the, the indication is, yeah. then you might be able to figure out what caused it and avoid those situations or, or take proactive steps. So, like in my family, sure. um, I, if I don't get enough sleep, I'm highly irritable and I, I don't have a lot of patience. And we know that's the trigger. We know that's the cause. So sure. my wife will even preemptively say, you didn't get enough sleep last night, so don't get upset with the kids today. And she'll, <laughs> she'll call me out as she's recognizing it. And my kids are starting to recognize it too. And this is all part of not in me alone, but my little one will say, I said, why do you have an attitude? I think I didn't get enough sleep last night, you know? Wow. So it, teaching them to recognize, pay attention to how you're feeling, Good. try and identify the causes, and then they know, okay, 
I need to make sure I get enough sleep, especially if you're going to go have one of those conversations or you're going to take an exam or you're going to take something where you have to be on the wall. Knowing yourself is going to help. And that's great, Kyle. I mean, that picks up on what you're saying about example and, and our example and how that helps others. Being vulnerable enough to say, you know what, I'm not sure what I'm feeling here or I am sure I, I didn't get this happening. This is what's going on under my uh, hood. This is what's happening in my engine. And I can be open and honest about it and it'll help our kids and help others. So I have two uh, things that I would like to add. One is for business and one is for relative to children. So one of the ways that my wife and I engage with our children to grow their emotional awareness is to discuss with them about our experiences and to reflect how it feels not just to say hey johnny you're doing right or johnny you're doing wrong but actually to teach them different perspectives of looking at something and my children are, are young they're seven and nine but we've been doing it with them from the time that they could have some basic reasoning and you do it in a simple way that they can understand and say you know we've been through that experience before and this is how we felt and what it does is that it starts to showcase to your children that it's okay at times to be vulnerable. It's okay at times to feel that and to not know how yeah. to express it. They often say medically that children will get tummy aches when they don't know what's going on emotionally. They come and say, I've got a very sore tummy or I've got a headache. Mm. And invariably it's something that's, and then you actually get down to it. And my daughter's had a little argument with one of her friends at school or something's gone wrong. Got you. And it can take a few days for them to be able to actually work through it, to recognize it. And one of the things we do by dialogue and by uh, engaging with them on it is to showcase to them that it's okay to work through it, to see if you can work it out quicker. Because if you can work it out quicker, then you've got resources available to you. You can make a decision. You can do something with it. And so that's just something that I wanted to add there. Then when it came to business, we were talking just now about trying to think now because i wanted to link it to decisions in business and about the perspectives of your own perspective of self-awareness and that of others there's one thing that i learned about making decisions and it's they called ecological decisions and ecological decision decisions have three components decisions decisions that's quite a difficult word to say <laughs> decisions have three components one is an ecological decision is good for you. An ecological decision, number two, is good for others. And an ecological decision, num number three, is good for the world, good for the universe. What that means is that when you're making an ecological decision, you aren't only considering yourself. You have to have some level of emotional awareness or general awareness in which to be able to discern whether it would be good for somebody else and whether it would be good generally for others, people in the world, whatever it is. And uh, I just thought that was a very interesting way to link emotional awareness into decision-making, which is common in business and which businesses have to make all the time. Is it good for their product? Is it good for their clients? And is it good for their stakeholders? And, and but Tom, to build on that as well, I think for staying in the business realm, critical thinking is such an important skill and it's, it's a rational skill, but at the same time, it taps into emotion where you talk about empathy, 
where you're putting yourself in the customer's shoes, for example, and saying, uh, what might the customer experience in this environment? And let me go and take a walk through with the view of the customer and what they might do if they would arrive at security at our building for the first time. And I can remember, for example, uh, First National Bank and West Bank in South Africa, they had uh, headquarters right next to each other. And when you went in, the vibe was completely different. If they had taken the time to walk in their customers' shoes, they would see that the one was a wonderful vibe where you felt hosted and you felt welcome. And the other was this cold, impersonal, horrible space. And they were the same brand, different divisions of it. But they never took the time to empathize with the customer and work in that way. So, Carl, what are your, your parting thoughts if you take a, a one-minute summary here and, and give us emotional intelligence in business, your wrap-up, what would it be? I think it's only good. You need it. Uh, I don't see a downfall to it. Uh, like any, Perhaps if you only focused on it, but that's never going to be the case. You, it wouldn't be a business if we yeah. were only focusing on emotions. Uh, there is intelligence behind it. There's profit that, that comes from value-added um, product and services. But my main takeaway is that we don't add enough emphasis to this. We don't talk about it enough. It's not in our education systems. It's not mm -hmm. promoted in our businesses, uh, but it's needed. It's sorely needed. I don't think there's ever been a time when the world isn't hurting, and this is something that can help. But uh, with, with all that's going on today, may, maybe that's even more pronounced yeah. and um, can prepare us for tomorrow. Absolutely. And I, I think I would just build on this and I'll hand over to Tom in a moment for a closing statement. But for me as well, yeah, I think uh, in terms of uh, grief and coping, because we, we uh, in this COVID era, this post-pandemic world that we're heading towards, it's still the pandemic at the moment. We're in the midst of chaos. We're being asked to do more with less. So most of us have lost colleagues either to uh, work challenges and cost cutting or to this horrible disease. And so we've got to pick up the slack and we can't hire more people. So we've got to be able to build capacity in ourselves, which is a psychological and emotional challenge. Uh, but at the same time, we've got to deal with the grief that comes from the loss and the loneliness and having to work from home more and battle fresh demands and challenges. And for all of that, we need emotional intelligence. From my side, I'm wanting to develop that more, and I'm grateful for the role you gents have in refining me to be a better person through this journey, and to other coaches and mentors I've got on the journey, books that are helping me as well. Tom, your thoughts? What's interesting about our discussion today is that we didn't stick to business only because actually, if you look at it, emotional fitness, emotional awareness uh, really is something that becomes a part of your everyday life. It goes into your family. It goes into your business. It yeah. goes into the way you bring up your children or you have relationships. Yes, the values that you have in different contexts will affect what you filter and what you see. However, the act of actually developing awareness as a principle in your life is something that is a decision it's a decision you make it's a decision that yes you can't control everything however you can have an effect on it you can grow 
your ability to stay present and pick up on more information, not just of, is it right? Is it wrong? Do I need to go left? Do I need to go right? But more why and how, and how does it feel right now? And is that good? Is it good for me? Is it good for others? So there's a lot in it. And I think we had a really great chat today. I hope our listeners have gained a lot out of it because uh, this is just the beginning. There's many more great podcasts coming your way. And uh, we, we just love putting them up because as we go, we grow. So thank you, Hill. And thank you, Carl. Thank you so much, gents. And uh, absolutely, reach out to us if you want to chat more about these things personally. It's our delight to work with you in establishing these patterns that you need for yourself, for your business. Don't neglect it. You really, really need it right now. We're with you on the journey. Be safe and be focused, people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all.